0: We have been studying about righteousness. This is one topic that opened the scripture to me. An understanding of righteousness delivered me. There were a lot of things that hindered me from receiving the promises of God. But the day I understood righteousness, the day I understood I am the righteousness of God, it opened up scripture for me. In the first class, We read about 91 scriptures from the old and the new talking about the benefits of the righteous. But when I read it for the first time, I mean, it was something too alien for me. I was like, wow, these are for the righteous. A righteous person is someone who is holy, who is who has been living holy for a long time. And then finally, God promoted him to this status called righteous. That's what that was what I was thinking. But I was wrong. Hallelujah. Am I glad that I was wrong? God is so good. Understanding righteousness is the key to scripture, especially the New Testament. Righteousness is the greatest blessing for the new creation. It is a gift. Romans five seventeen says the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. And what are the benefits we rule and reign in this life right now? On the earth as kings. Isn't it wonderful to be righteous? Bible says the moment we are born again. The moment, the second we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we are made righteous. Bible says you are justified. Justified means just as if you have done nothing wrong. Justified. That second. And scripture says in 1st Peter 3, 12, the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. What does that mean? That means he's always looking at you. Being the righteous, you can be sure that, hey, God is looking at me. His eyes are on me all the time. And every prayer of mine is heard. That's the confidence of a righteous person. And we saw it is your spirit that is righteous. Not your body, your mind may, may be filled with lots of stuff, but it's your spirit that is righteous. Which part of you got born again? Your spirit. It's your spirit that is a new creation. It's your spirit that was born again. Your spirit, 2 Corinthians 5 says, all things are new. You're a new creation and all things about your born again spirit is new brand new and it says all things are of God everything about your born again spirit is of God wall to wall completely from any angle you look at it it's like God and verse 21 says he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us Jesus the very the very truth of God the very word of God that became flesh, who you knew knows it. Think about it. He is the word that became flesh. Is there any sin in the word? No. He became flesh. And he made him to be sin for us. The very word of God that created and sustains everything that we see around us, he made it to be sin for us. Why? The last part of the of that verse says, so that we can be made the righteousness of God. In him. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. Oh, that, that scripture just delivered us. Hallelujah. It opens your understanding. To the degree that Jesus was made sin, we are made righteous. Anything and everything that sin represents, Jesus became that. The very sin that separated man from God, he became sin so he could pay the price for that sin. And to the very extent he was righteous, we became that righteousness. Hallelujah. We are now the righteousness of God himself. And you you need to know that your righteousness does not increase or decrease with time. You... After being born again. When you commit sin. You don't become unrighteous. Yes what you did was an unrighteous act. That did not originate from your spirit though. It originated from your soul. Why? Because you opened your soul. To the things of the earth. You opened your soul. Your mind. To the environment. To to the social media. To the movies. Just recently I was. I had to speak to a person who was asking me a question. He said, brother, I know this bishop. He's a bishop overseer of many churches. But he confessed to me that he was having a problem with the flesh. He was involved with women other than his wife. He has not been sleeping with his wife, but he had problems sexually. So he asked me, how can he be Continue in that position. Is he still righteous? I said. Brother. The gifts of God. The the uh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They don't depend. On you. They are given. As the spirit desires. As the spirit wills. That's what First Corinthians chapter 12 says. So. God can use anyone. I heard the story of a. Of a preacher who backslided. He was a major preacher operating in the gifts of tongues and interpretation of tongues and prophecy. And he backslided. He left the ministry. He was a drunk and he was always drunk and on the streets. And one day he just stumbled into a church. He just stumbled into a church. And which was just flowing in the gifts of the spirit. And one person spoke in tongues. And suddenly this person came in, this preacher who was drunk. Walked in and gave the interpretation of the tongue, and it was accurate. You can say, "How can that happen?" Well, it operates as the Spirit books. He gave the he gave the interpretation, and then he just walked out. It happens. The gifts does not indicate spiritual maturity. The gifts of God operate as the Spirit works. Maybe the Holy Spirit thought, all right, there's nobody there to give an interpretation. This guy just popped by and he used it. It operates as the spirit works. There are so many people, so especially preachers who come under condemnation when they fall into sin and they, they eventually they come out of the ministry. But we need to know that it's your spirit that is righteous. The action that your body did was because you exposed your mind to things of the earth to sinful thoughts sometimes when you open yourself to certain things for example watching pornography preachers watch pornography it's the truth it's unfortunate but that's the truth what happens the more you expose yourself to those things those demonic forces that operated behind those people who made those videos They, you open yourself to them. Unless you repent, unless you, you declare the freedom of God in Jesus name, those demonic forces will try to oppress you. I'm not saying they will possess you. They will try to oppress your mind. And condemnation sets in. And finally, they leave the ministry. You're getting this. So, you need to understand what we are learning here is very important. A true understanding of righteousness is deliverance. It's a force. It's a force that gives you boldness. It's a, it's a force. It's, we saw, what is righteousness? Righteousness is your ability to stand in the presence of the Father God without a sense of guilt, condemnation, shame or inferiority complex. Though sin never existed, you can see him face to face, you can come boldly into his presence, no matter what. That is righteousness. Be in right standing with God. No matter what, you know you are confident you're right with God. Your spirit is righteous. If you did something wrong, if you committed sin, if you fell for sin, repent immediately. Just say, Father, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Thank you. Thank you for the blood of Jesus that has declared me righteous. The blood of Jesus justified me. Thank you. I'm sorry for what I did. And then don't stay there. The Bible says he is faithful and just to forgive you of all unrighteousness. All. Anything. All means all. Whatever it is that you've done. Some people are thinking, brother, brother, Bible talks about the unpardonable sin. Yes, that is there. Okay, let me just tell you this. 95% or let me say at least 98% of the believers do not qualify for that unpardonable sin. Because there's a huge list of conditions for you to, to do to qualify for that. To commit the unpardonable sin. Everybody else. What they do is because of ignorance. There is the unpardonable sin. But the person who qualifies to commit unpardonable sin should be a minister, should be walking in the truth, should know the word, should have walked in fellowship with God and the Holy Spirit and his word for some time. And after that, when he denies the Holy Spirit, that person has committed the unpardonable sin. That's in Hebrews chapter 6. We will study on that when we when we learn the foundational doctrines. So, you need to understand that it's your spirit is righteous. It's exactly like Jesus. 1 John says, as he is, so are we in this world. Right now, in this world. But it's your spirit. So, what do you need to do? 1 Corinthians 15, 34 says, away to righteousness and sin not. Awake, wake up. Wake up to righteousness. The more you are awake to the the truth that you are righteous, you are the righteousness of God, you will stay away from sin. You understand this? The more you are awake, the more your senses are awake to the truth that your spirit is righteous, that you are exactly like Jesus right now, you will stay away from sin. It cannot trap you. And even if, by chance, you fell for it, that knowledge will come up. That knowledge will come up. Romans 8.1 says, there is therefore now no condemnation. Now, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, right now, in spite of the fact that five minutes ago, you committed sin. Right now, there is no condemnation. Jesus did not condemn the woman who was caught in the very act of adultery. He did not condemn her. He said, "Where are your where where are those who condemn you?" She said, "No one, Lord." He said, "Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Go and sin no more." That is the grace of God. That's the grace of God. Grace means unmerited, undeserved favor. You did not deserve it, but God still gave you. And what does the the grace do to you? Let's go to Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2, we'll read verse 11 and 12. It says, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Look at this. Let me stop there. It says, the grace of God that brings salvation. Salvation is is one word that, that includes so many things. Deliverance, preservation, protection, provision. Hallelujah, nothing missing, nothing broken. That word salvation says the grace, the unmerited, undeserved favor of God that has brought salvation has appeared to all men, to all men, every single person alive on the earth. But is everyone saved? No. No, you need to receive it. You need to believe it. And then what does that grace do to you? The next verse says, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust we should live soberly, righteously, godly in this present world. See, that's what the grace of God does to you. Grace is there, but you don't misuse the grace. What does the grace do to you? Grace teaches you to deny ungodliness and worldly lust, and teaches you how to live soberly, means in a sound mind, righteously. that means in right standing with God. Doing works that please God, Hallelujah. In this present world. Right now. In the midst of all the temptation. In the midst of all the sin that's around you. Grace will teach you. Not to fall for it. Grace is not to be misused. Oh I can live any way I want. Any way uh, Jesus has paid the price for sin. So I can do whatever I want. Because grace. Grace. No. No you can't live like that true grace teaches you to deny ungodliness that's true grace recently the past few years or the past decade we saw many churches i personally have seen and witnessed many people who have misused this teaching of grace they said oh anyway We are righteous. We can do whatever we want. and Jesus has already paid the price for sin. We can do whatever we want. You can drink if you want. You can smoke if you want. You can take drugs if you want. Or any way we are righteous. Any way Jesus paid the price for sin. Do you know who are these people who misuse this teaching on grace? They are people who receive Jesus out of fear. You know people preach the gospel differently. Some people try to scare people into the kingdom. Some preachers they try to scare people into the kingdom. They say if you don't if you don't receive Jesus judgment will come upon you. Judgment will come upon you. God will punish you. You will go to hell. Hell you will burn in hell. Yes it is true. It is true. Hell is real. Hell is real. There is fire that cannot be quenched. There are worms that don't die. But there is good news. The good news is you don't have to go there. The good news is hell was not made for you. Good news is hell was made for devil and his angels. Good news is Jesus paid the price. So you don't have to go to hell. Good news is Jesus went to hell for you. So you don't have to go there. You are raised up to sit at the right hand of God the Father. You are justified. You are made righteous. That's the good news. But what happened? Many times people focus on hell, punishment, fire, worms. That people get scared. So they receive Jesus out of fear from going to hell. But what does scripture says? Romans 2.4 says it's the goodness of God. That leads men to repentance. It's the goodness of God. The goodness of God leads men to repentance. That means when you hear the good news, the gospel, the good news. Hey, I don't have to go to hell. Jesus paid the price for my sin. Good news. It makes people to repent. Repentance means changing the way you think. It forces them to change their thinking concerning God, concerning heaven, concerning sin. And they receive the finished work of Jesus. The Goodness, not out of fear. They submit to the goodness. These people don't get trapped in the false teachings of grace. But those people who, who receive Jesus out of fear, see, they are only moved by fear. They are not moved by goodness. They did not repent out of the goodness of God. They repented out of fear. <gasps> hell, I'll go to hell. I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to uh, hear. I mean, I don't want to uh, suffer the, the, the fire that cannot be quenched. I don't want to suffer worms eating me. That's what they think. It was not the good news that led them to repentance. It was the fear of hell. Such people, they are only motivated by fear. They fall into the trap of sin continuously. And they misuse the teaching of grace. But the person who received Jesus, hearing the good news, knowing his goodness, knowing the truth, he submits to that. And he receives that righteousness. And they don't fall into the trap of sin continuously. Yes, nobody is perfect. All of us make blunders one time or the other. We make mistakes, we fall. But then, the more you focus on the goodness of God, the more you focus on what Jesus did for you, he became sin. So I am the righteousness of God. The more you are awake to this fact, you don't fall into the trap of sin. Even if you did, you can come back. You are restored to fellowship with God. Go with me to Second Corinthians chapter 5. We read verse 21. But before that, there are a few scriptures that talk about what Jesus did. We saw in verse 17, it says, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, a new creation. All things are passed away and all things are new. That is talking about your brand new Recreated, born again spirit. All things are new, and all things are of God. Verse 18 says, and says God has reconciled us to Himself Mm -hmm. by Jesus Christ. Look at that. He has reconciled. Reconciled means restored to favor. You are restored to being God's favorite. You are. The sin had separated you. But now God restored you to favor with himself. You are God's favorite. You are not just restored to being God's favorite. But now it says he has given you the ministry of reconciliation. That means put the meaning there. He has given you a ministry of restoring people to favor with God. What is your ministry? it's a ministry of reconciliation. Your ministry, is a ministry of restoring people to favor with God. It is not a ministry of condemnation. Your ministry, as a minister, is not a ministry of condemnation, your ministry is a ministry of Restoration to favor. Restoration to favor. It's good news. It's good news. And then it says, now, then, now, right now, this present moment, we are ambassadors for Christ. You're an ambassador of the anointed one. Look at this. This is written to the whole church. This is not written to the preachers. This is not written to full time ministers. This was written to the church. To the church at Corinth. Who are the Corinthians? major people who had problems with sin in chapter one we see they there was a person in the church who was sleeping with his stepmother he's talking to the Corinthian church who had major problems with the flesh sorry Paul called them carnal people he said I cannot speak to you as spiritual in first Corinthians chapter 3 but you are still carnal now he's writing to them again he's saying we, That means him and the church. Just like Paul, the whole church is an ambassador for Christ. Hallelujah. An ambassador of Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray, you in Christ's stead be ye reconciled to God. That means you stand instead of Christ. On the earth right now. Wherever Christ. You are there. You stand instead of Christ. In the position of Christ. Bible says we are the body of Christ. Christ is the head of the church. We are the body. The body and, and the head cannot be separated. Whatever anointing is upon the head. Is upon the body. Let's read that verse again, 2nd Corinthians 5.20. Now then, now, focus on now, right now. Wherever you are, whatever you are doing, whatever sin was, uh, might have, that, might, that you might be trapped in, it still says, now we are ambassadors of Christ. An ambassador is a person who represents a nation or someone. It's a person who represents someone. That's why the rest of the verse says, instead of Christ. Instead of Jesus physically being present there, he appointed you. With all the power and authority that he has, you are there. As an ambassador of Christ. Instead of Christ. Standing there with the complete authority and power and dominion that Christ has over sin and death. You stand there and you are the one who reconciles people to God. That means you come with the good news that they are restored to favor with God. Hallelujah. Why? That's when the last verse comes. He has made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God. Because you are the righteousness of God, you qualify as an ambassador. Christ is righteous. You are the body of Christ. Yes or no? Christ is righteous. End of story. Christ, the anointed one with the anointing. He is righteous. And you and me, we are his body. Can the head be righteous and the body unrighteous? No. No way. We are righteous. That's why we stand instead of Christ. In the position of Christ. So you can be sure you are anointed. People say. "Oh, Only preachers are anointed. Only uh, people called as prophets. Or apostles are anointed. My brother. My sister. We are the body of Christ. The body of the anointed one. With the anointing. And if you believe that. Whatever God promised. Will work through you. All things are possible for him who believes. If you believe, you will see the glory of God. That's what Jesus said to Martha. If you believe. In fact, let's look at that story. Let's look at that story about Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. That's in John chapter 11. You see an amazing performance of righteousness. We will read from verse 32 onwards. And when Jesus saw, when Jesus therefore saw her weeping and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. This word groaned actually does not talk about no. This word groaned means complain, murmured, murmured. Something is irritating you. Look at that. It says, he He groaned, he murmured, he complained in the spirit and was troubled. That means he was irritated. Now, continue. And said, where have you laid him? They said unto, unto him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. Jesus wept. People think, oh, he wept because Lazarus died. He did not weep. Because of because Lazarus died. I'll tell you what. Verse 36. Then said the Jews, Behold, how he loved him. And some of them said, Could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? Now they are questioning Jesus. Said, Oh, this guy, this man, Jesus, he opened the eyes of the blind, but couldn't he have stopped this? Lazarus from dying. What doesn't doesn't he have the power? What were the people doing? They were complaining. There was unbelief there, a lot of unbelief. That's why he grumbled, he groaned in the spirit. That's why he was troubled, because the next verse says, Jesus therefore again groaning in himself cometh to the grave. It was a cave. And a stone lay upon him. Look at that. He heard them. When he heard that, he was like, Argh. He was groaning. He was murmuring. That word actually means murmur, complain, groaning. Then he said, said, verse 39, Jesus said, take away the stone, Martha. The sister of him that was dead said unto him, Lord, by this time he stings, for he has been dead four days. Now, the word Jesus said actually means Jesus commanded in authority. He said, Martha, move that stone. Very strict, in authority, move that stone. And Martha said, Master, it's been four days, he'll be stinking. Verse 40 said, Jesus said unto her, Said not I unto thee. Now, that's a very stern saying. Like you scold your children, didn't I tell you? Didn't I tell you? He's already bugged, you should understand. He's already irritated. He's already groaning inside. And he commanded her to do something. And then she's responding back with unbelief. Put yourself in Jesus' position. Imagine you're saying something to your child. They don't trust you. They say, but, but daddy, but daddy. How will you stand Hello, I just told you something. Do it. Jesus said to her, if you would believe, didn't I tell you, if you would believe, you will see the glory of God. I'm opening your understanding to certain things here. Verse 41. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Wow. This is the force of righteousness. See unbelief all around you. People saying all kinds of things. Jesus believed something strongly and he's trying to encourage the people. But then they are all in unbelief. Every single person around him. Including Martha, the person who is so dear to him belief but Jesus was so confident that he is righteous and his father heard him he said father I know you are. I know that you have heard me. that confidence is ours today no matter how strong the unbelief of those who of those around us is You can still stand in the midst of that and say, Father, I know you heard me. I know. And I knew, verse 42 says, I knew that you hearest me always. (laughs) That is so cool. He said, no matter what, I know you hear me always. Always you hear me. That's Christ speaking. And you and me, we are the body of Christ today. He said, but because of the people which stand by, I said that they may believe that you have sent me. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice saying, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes. And his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus said unto him, "Loose him and let him go. Look at this. This is an, this should be an eye opener to you. This is Jesus standing in, in in assurance of his righteousness. He is so sure that he is righteous that he's and he's because of that he is so sure that God hears him always. He's so sure. Today you and me we need to have this confidence. So sure no matter what that God heard you, God heard you. I believe, therefore I have spoken. Whatever I say will come to pass. My God always hears me. No matter what it is, no matter how impossible the situation looks. When I say it, it happens. Why? Because my father heard me. I represent Christ. I am an ambassador of Christ. I know who I am. I know whose I am. My words will not fall to the ground. That's the force of righteousness. You are a force to reckon with. Every impossible situation must submit to the force of righteousness. That is you. That is you. The righteousness of God. As righteous, As Jesus with the same authority that Jesus spoke, you can speak to every impossible situation. You can stand there, look at it face to face and say, up in Jesus name. I have come in his righteousness. I have come in his name. I have come with the power and authority that I have in Jesus name. When I speak, my father hears. And whatever I say will happen. Hallelujah. We are the body of Christ. You cannot deny that. You cannot deny that. Hallelujah. That's who we are. And that's our standing with God. Romans chapter 10 verse 6 says but the righteousness which is of faith speaks on this behalf, on this wise. So the righteousness of God always speaks. It speaks. And that's And after this, it continues to say, you believe in your heart and you speak with your mouth. Righteousness believes who he is, who his authority, who has given him the authority, whose authority he has. And it speaks. It speaks. You believe in your heart and you speak. It shall happen. That's how you got saved. You believe. your heart and confess the lordship of jesus and you are saved see that the very same action that you did to receive jesus it's the same thing you do everywhere it's the same thing there is no difference if you can believe that you are born again if you can believe that jesus died for you you can believe you are the righteousness of god and you can stand there and speak like jesus you speak you are created in his image. A brand new creation. Exactly like him. He says all things are of God. Isn't it? Then even your words are supposed to be of God. There is nothing else that comes out. Matthew 6 verse 26 onwards. Marie. Look at the birds of the air. For they neither sow nor reap. Nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you therefore do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about its own things sufficient for today for the day is its own trouble now this is Jesus speaking who is Jesus Christ the anointed one we saw in John 11 Jesus stood his ground he knew who he was he never worried that the father will not hear him he knew every time he opened his mouth, God heard. He heard it. Always. Yes or no? Now, with that understanding, we are looking at this. It says, do not worry. saying." How do you worry? Saying. See, one evidence of you worrying are the words that you speak. Oh, I don't know what's going to happen. Oh, my children are there. They're far away. I hope they've eaten. He's in the hostel. I hope he's studying well. Should I call him? Oh, my daughter, I, I, I sent her off. She's married to this person. I can't live without her. I don't know. Is she cooking well? See, thoughts. Thoughts. A good example that we see around us here in India is we call it the mother-in-law syndrome. You marry a girl She comes to your house. She leaves her family. She comes to your house. Now, every single day, for hours, the girl's mother keeps calling her and keeps speaking to her. Because the mother is worried. My daughter is gone. What is she doing? Or is everything okay? We call it the mother-in-law syndrome. Because she's a mother, she 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 thinks it's her it's her right to worry. Oh, is she cooking? Is she cooking well for the husband? Is she doing the right thing? The Bible says, don't worry. You don't have to worry about anything. Saying, watch the words that you speak. Are you speaking words of worry, or are you speaking words of authority? Knowing who you are, knowing that God is hearing you. Remember. You fear God. You're the righteousness of God. So every word you speak, God is hearing. Malachi 3 says, They that feared the Lord gathered together and the Lord hearkened and a book of remembrance was written. So the Lord is hearing you. So are your words, words of worry? Jesus said, don't worry. What are you going to benefit by worrying? Worrying will make the situation worse. You worry and you speak it out. You release those words. Those words carry power. It carries the power of unbelief that works against your faith. The more you worry about something and you start speaking it, you are submitting to the force of unbelief that will work against your faith. And what does it say it says do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow has its own thing you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow why are you worried about tomorrow it says sufficient for the day is its own trouble you have the day is not over yet you have enough things to do for the rest of the day focus on right now are you representing christ right now in your situation do you know that right now you're the righteousness of God? Are you standing in that authority? Are your words words of authority? Are your words words of faith? What did Jesus tell Martha? Didn't I tell you if you believe you will see the glory of God? Jesus opened his mouth and said, Father, I know you hear me. I know you always hear me. Imagine. You're in your worst financial situation. It suddenly came upon you. I was discussing with Pastor Marco a few minutes back about the present situation. Things are around us. All kinds of stuff was happening. In the midst of it, you can stand and say, Father, I know you hear me. I know this is the worst crisis that my nation can has been facing. But thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I know you hear me. Thank you, Lord. Your eyes are upon me. Your ears are open to my prayer. Thank you so much, Father. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And now you speak to that problem. You speak to that financial situation. You said in Jesus name, money coming. Angels go, bring my money in. I'm the righteousness of God. I have access to the riches in glory. My God supplies all my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. That's how Jesus would speak. He never worried about money. He knew God supplies. So he commanded Peter to go. To pay the tax, he commanded Peter to go. Put the, I mean, cast the line. Said, pick up the first fish that comes out, cut it open will find money he operated in the supernatural how was jesus able to operate in the supernatural for his needs because of his authority he knew the power that was available to him he knew who he was as the righteousness of god so he just spoke similarly you and me wherever we are whatever we are surrounded with When you know your authority, when you know that every word you speak are is words of authority, when you know that when you open your mouth, your father heard you. Oh, there's a power that comes. There's a power that backs up your word. The force of righteousness that will break through any wall, that will break through any situation, any circumstances, any sickness, any disease. And establish that power then. Hallelujah. Remember, righteousness means right standing with God. Right standing. That right standing comes with a lot of power. Where are you seated? Ephesians 1 says, Christ is raised up and seated at the right hand of God the Father in heavenly places far above all principality, power, might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world but also in that which is to come. Where is Christ seated? At the right hand of God the Father. Is He sitting there and worrying? No. No. He's seated there in assurance of who He is. And where is this position? It says far above all principality might dominion every name that can be named every name does your problem have a name your financial situation has a name your sickness has a name COVID-19 is a name corona is a name marriage problem is a name he's seated far above every name that can be named not only in this world but also in that which is to come. Any name that can come in the future. Five years ago, nobody heard the name Corona, unless you had a Toyota Corona. Nobody thought about COVID-19. No. But we are still here today. He's seated far above all that. And that's not all. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 5 and 6 says, He raised us up together, made us sit together in Christ Jesus in the heavenly places. So you are seated there, at the right hand of God, in right standing. Say this with me, at the right hand of God, in right standing. At the right hand of God, in right standing. So you are seated far above all principality, power, might, and dominion, and every name that can be named. Ephesians 1 says, he put all things under his feet. Where is the feet located? The feet is part of the body. You are the body. So everything is under your feet. Because you are the body of Christ. You are seated at the right hand of God the Father. The force of righteousness, the power and the authority that the righteous has cannot be put down, no matter what. You are seated above it. So what do you do? You look down at the problem from where you are seated. You know what most people does? They they magnify the problem. They sit right in the middle of the problem and they magnify the problem. And they look around. Oh, look at this problem. Look at this problem. It's so big. What will I do, Lord? Save me, Lord. What should I do? That is their perspective. But what is God's perspective? What is Christ's perspective? He looks down at it from far above. How does an ant look to you when you look at it? So tiny, right? You can barely see its parts. Why? Because your perspective of the ant is right from above. You are not sitting under the ant and looking up at it. No, you are looking at the ant from way above. That's how you are supposed to look at your problem. That's how you are supposed to look at the crisis. That's how you are supposed to stand. (laughs) You, in Jesus' name, out. You financial problem. You loan. You sickness. I know who I am. I'm the righteousness of God. I speak to you in Jesus' name. Out. Get out. Be removed. It's your authority. Hallelujah. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All those things will be added to you. Seek first the kingdom. His kingdom is a kingdom of righteousness. Seek it out. That means think about what Jesus will do. His righteousness means his right way of doing things. What is God's way of doing things? How will Jesus deal with this situation? He knew who he was. That's the right way of doing things. And you operate the same way. When I entered full-time ministry, I left a a, a very high-paying IT job. I left it. Thoughts used to come. How are you going to support your family? You have three kids. They're small. They're growing up. What are you going to do to provide for your family? What are you going to do for their education? What are you going to do? I had to make a choice. Instead of worrying about it, I had to stand my ground. Thoughts came. Oh, trust me, thoughts would come, pester me. I would. There were times when I would wake up in the middle of the night, look up, I couldn't sleep anymore. Why? Thoughts were bothering me. I would stand up and then I had a choice. Do I continue worrying about this or do I take my stance? I had to, every single time I had to stand my ground and then I would take communion over it. What is communion? Again, remembrance. I had to stand there. Several times. There were times when I took communion multiple times in the middle of the night. Why? Because I couldn't sleep. Thoughts would bother me. I'm the head of this house, my family, I have to provide for my family. I have to take care. Yes. Those thoughts, they, they put, tried to put me down, but I had to shake myself. I would say, no, no, I remember. I remember, I believe I will see the glory of God. I will see the breakthrough and I thank God today. I don't have to worry about money. Yes. There are financial crisis. Yes, needs come up, but I know who I am, whose I am, who supplies my needs. Every need is met. My children go to one of the best schools here, everything. Hallelujah. But to operate in that faith, it took me time to meditate on on those scriptures, to stand my ground. I had to wake myself up to righteousness. I had to wake myself up to the fact that I am right with God. This is my, my stance. I have to stand that ground, hallelujah, it is God's will to give the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. How do things operate in the kingdom of God? How do things operate in the kingdom of righteousness? Why? Because you are already in the kingdom. Colossians 1 verse 13 says he has delivered us from the power of darkness. That's past tense has perfect tense. He has already delivered you from the power of darkness and has already translated you into the kingdom of his son. You are already in the kingdom. You are already there. So seek out and find how does this kingdom of righteousness operate? To do that look at Jesus. Look at his word. Operate like Jesus. Why? Because you are the body of Christ, the body of Christ can operate only like Christ and the -hmm. body of Christ will operate only like Christ. No other way. There is no exception. Oh, because he comes from India, I have to give some consideration here. Okay, for him, we will operate differently. No. India, Peru, Ghana, Ivory Coast, whichever nation we are from, whichever nation you are listening from, the body of Christ operates in one way only. Like Christ. Hallelujah. As a righteousness of God. Because we operate under the laws and principles of the kingdom of righteousness. I believe you understood something today. Our time is up. Let's take communion. Let's take communion. Again, as you take this, as you approach this, as you approach this meal, take it in faith. Jesus said, believe, don't you know? If you believe, you will see the glory of God. See, this meal is an act of remembrance of the finished work. What Jesus did for you. And what he made you. The blood has justified you, declared you righteous. We are remembering what the finished work has done for us. We are doing it in faith. We do this knowing who we are, knowing what Jesus has accomplished for us. It's our authority. Hallelujah. So, you look at this. Let's read 1 Corinthians, chapter 10. Verse 16 says, The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not a communion of the blood of Christ? Mm-hmm. The bread which we break, is it not a communion of the body of Christ? This cup of blessing. What is this cup? It's a cup of blessing. So when you take this, expect the blessing to show up. Scripture already says, you are blessed with every blessing in heavenly places expect it expect it speak it up speak it up i'm blessed i'm blessed and the righteousness of god i'm blessed the blood has justified me i'm righteous i know when i open my mouth god hears me and this bread is it not a communion of the body of christ communion means fellowshipping you're becoming so close so integrated With the body of Christ, with what the broken body has accomplished and you you are the body right now. So everything that represents is a reality to you. You take it in faith. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time. Thank you for this opportunity to remember that we are the righteousness of God. The blood of Jesus has declared us righteous. The blood has declared us righteous. We are right with you. We are in right standing with you. And because of that, we have access to everything that God has for us. Blessed with every blessing in the heavenly places. Healed by the stripes of Jesus. Ha ha ha. Thank you, Father. Thank you. We have access to the riches in glory. So our God supplies all our needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. We receive it, Father. We receive it. That's our portion. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We take this in faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's eat and drink. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, it is done. It is done. It is done. We believe we receive. We will see the glory of God. In the midst of the situations that we are going through. Whatever it is the world throws at us. We declare the victory. Father, thank you for every person here at the sound of my voice. Thank you, Lord. Every yoke destroyed. Every burden removed. Every need met in Jesus' name. None shall go back the same room. Thank you so much. Thank you. That the eyes of their understanding is open and enlightened. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you for being very patient. I believe you received something. You are blessed.